What's going on, everyone? Raj Galardi back with you, bringing you another episode of The Cult of Violence. And I better be bringing the heat today because I know Surreal Gain and Jerzino Rosenstrike definitely didn't on Saturday. So, let's fucking get right into it. Alrighty. Um, overall, that was definitely not one of the better cards, but it's cards like that that definitely make you appreciate the good ones. Um, let's see, where the hell should I even start on this? Because I definitely don't want to fucking get into all this shit. Um, let's see, let's start from the bottom to the top. Let's see, on the prelims, yeah, you had Tiago Moises. He got a decision over Alexander Hernandez. Alexander Hernandez still coming off like a sensitive little bitch and crying all the time, but I kind of get it. You know, he kind of fought his heart out there. Well, in his opinion, and, you know, I think he's, you know, riding a little losing streak after getting kind of that heavy push. Since Cerrone kind of been up and down, has some bad fights, so he definitely needs to get back on track. But let's see, uh, Alex Caceres, he picked up a great win over Kevin Kroom. That was actually a pretty decent fight. Kevin Kroom, you know, coming in with all of the buzz after... Uh, after uh, submitting um, Roosevelt Roberts rather quickly with that guillotine, which I made a little bit of money on. Uh, but Alex Caceres coming in, looking hot. Uh, definitely looks great as of late. Um, dude, looks in phenomenal shape too. I mean, he's kind of a skinnier, lankier guy, but as of late, I mean, I think he's 32 now. Dude, he's been fighting in the UFC since 2012. He was on uh, the GSP Josh Koscheck uh, season of The Ultimate Fighter. So he's been doing this a fucking minute. And I think he feels like, uh, you know, if, if uh, he's ever going to make a, a real push towards the top, it's now or never. Um, so I, I, I'm watching you, dude. I mean, I've been watching you, but I'm really watching you now. And I think uh, I think with his style, he can cause a lot of problems with those guys at featherweight. Um it's got to round out a few things, but he definitely they definitely got uh, some fun fights for him at 145. And, um, you know, Kevin Kroom's one of those guys, uh, obviously, uh, he's probably going to beat the, the, the younger guys who aren't as seasoned as he is, but the upper echelon guys, I think, are just... He just doesn't have a, um, a very, very... Oh, I don't even know the way to put it. Like he, he's kind of good everywhere, but not great. But that's not even a great description of it. Um, he kind of reminds me of the like the real gritty fighters from like 2005 to about 2008, which they're you know they got enough striking to kind of get them by. They're they're really scrappy when it comes to the grappling, but you know when you get a real seasoned vet in one of those, uh, or when you get somebody who's really talented in um, you know one or more of those areas, they're kind of kind of overwhelm you which is what you kind of saw with Kevin Kroom um you know what? I'm gonna save this next fight because I don't want to um I kind of want to end with this note on this card um uh, but so let's just get right into the main event um Jason Rosenstrike uh loses unanimous decision to Cyril Gain, and you know this fight was kind of built you know we've been having a lot of these heavyweight main events uh here the last few weeks getting topped off with the uh the uh, championship fight later this month or at the end of this month um, but you know, there was kind of a lot riding on this fight, right? Like, okay, you know, both these guys are right outside the top five, or I think Cyril Gain was right outside the top five, but even though I don't really think he should have been there, Jerry's and Ruse and Stroke was, man, I'm gonna, <laughs> totally just butchered that name. Um, you'll probably be hearing that a lot more though, uh, throughout these episodes, but, um, uh, Rosenstrike, I think was ranked four, um, 
before this fight, and it's like, ah, does he really deserve to be there? I mean, he's got the win over Dos Santos and Overeem, but he was losing that Overeem fight up until the last second, so I don't really know what to make of it. But anyways, decided he wasn't going to throw any fucking strikes. I think over, what, let's see what the, I'm not even going to bother looking it up because it doesn't even matter, but I think he threw a total of maybe 25, 30 strikes over a full 25-minute fight. And I know a lot of people were giving Kane just as much shit saying he didn't do anything, but no, he did his job. I mean, if you if you are familiar with Kane's game, uh, you know how he likes to fight, and I don't think he did anything outside of his normal uh, strategy, his normal, you know, outside of his style. Or I think Rosenstrike was, you know, I. You know, a lot of people were kind of mentioning this, but this is exactly what I was thinking while watching it. It's, you know, he's still worried, or not worried, but, you know, he's still, he's still got that, that Francis fight in the back of his head a little bit. Um, and, you know, for some guys, it takes it takes a while to uh, to kind of get over that. Not everyone can be a Michael Bisbing where, you know, they get flatlined and then, you know, four months down the road, they're, you know, coming back looking like a freaking savage. Um, testament to fucking Michael Bisbing's savageness there. I mean, that motherfucker was fighting with one eye. Like, uh, that that dude, even though I didn't really like him while he was fighting just because he was that brash Brit. Dude, what a fucking legend. Uh, looking back on it, what a goddamn legend. But anyways, not everyone can be like that. Um, uh, and yeah, so I, just, I thought Game played it perfectly. You know, he's got this opportunity. You know, see, this is this is what pissed me off is people were like, oh, we, you know, you had the you had the spotlight and you had the uh, the attention. And you needed to go out there and show people what you're made of. And it's like, no, he did, he did. Jorginho didn't do his part, but Game did his part. I mean, like if if he would have blitzed in and got caught with something, because Rosenstrike, I mean, that's what he was doing all night was he was waiting for Game to really overcommit on something so he could counter. Um, and find an opening, um, but, you know, Gain didn't put himself out there, and if he would have, I mean, that would have blown everything for Gain, and it would have just propelled Rosenstrike, so I think Gain did the right thing, you know, you can't put all that on Gain, that was, to me, that was on Rosenstrike, and, and he paid for it, right, he lost, so, you know, you kind of got to wash your hands of the situation, did I expect it to be a little bit better of a fight, I expected it to be a lot better of a fight, but that's not what we got. Sorry, I took like four espresso shots before this, and now I'm just rambling. I'll pull it together here, guys. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, you know, um, do I think gain goes as high as I thought he would have if he would have, you know, gotten a finish or a good knockout? Uh, no, I, I, you know, I was thinking kind of this fight was going to fight uh, Derek Lewis, but now I'm not so sure about that. I'm sure the UFC will want to put Lewis in a little more high profile of a fight. Um, I think rankings wise, it probably makes sense, but I'm sure, you know, um, I will, we'll get into the whole heavyweight breakdown, uh, later, but, um, the most impressive fight on the card by far was Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera. And I'm going to spend the rest of this card breakdown, just talking about how fucking crazy of a fight that was. I mean, that ref said fight and those guys just stood right in front of each other and went to fucking war. And their first fight was great too with uh, Jimmy, you know, eking out of the split decision. But this fight was even better. And what's crazy is that Jimmy was compromised like almost immediately in that fight with those calf kicks. And he still lasted the 15 minutes and made it a barn burner of a fight. You got to give it up to both guys. But especially Jimmy for pretty much fighting on one leg that whole time. And just trying to figure it out. I mean, he didn't... he. You know, he, he did, you know, he, he, with the tour, you know, with the circumstances, I think he made the most out of the situation. 
but yeah, Pedro, you know, Jimmy's game, uh, you know, he, he, everyone was making it like Jimmy's got this crazy one punch knockout power and he does hit hard, but I mean, statistically, I don't even think, I, th I think he's got more decisions than anything. Um, let me take a look at this real quick. Um, Yeah, man, he's only got four knockouts. He's got four knockouts, two submissions. Okay, so he's got 23 wins. Four of those are by knockout. Two of those are by submission. And 17 are by decision. Like, yeah, he hits hard for because of his frame. But I, I wouldn't say that he's got knockout power. Uh, or I, I, he has knockout power, but I wouldn't say he's like this scary knockout threat. Yeah, he's great in the pocket. He's got great volume. But really, his thing is movement. Uh, he's great on his bike. Uh laterally um his l steps his in and out uh, obviously even with on one leg his bobbing and weaving was fucking on point um but he's really not that much of a knockout guy so i thought you know pedro's calf kicks were perfect and because they were so early it completely shut down um jimmy's game and he kind of had to fight uh style outside of his normal style which is kind of in and out on the bike a lot of footwork um but yeah, so I thought I thought Pedro did the thing. You know, it was pretty much a, Pedro made that an uphill climb, a very very steep uphill climb for Jimmy. And yeah, he found his openings. Yeah, he landed great on Pedro. But those calf kicks just really set a precedent for the rest of the fight. Um, and but fuck, man, I can't I can't stop not talking about it. That the, kudos to him. And I think his, uh, you know, I, I know Jimmy is a. Uh, um, uh, you know, Tiger Schulman, you know, kind of prodigy, and he's been with them his whole career, but I think it might be time for him to uh, step away and go somewhere else. I think this is like the third or fourth fight in a row where I just really haven't been impressed with this corner um, all that much. Uh, I, I don't really feel like they tell him the best things. I feel like they're kind of like yes men, or not yes men, but do you know, you know, like, oh, you got to go in there and get the knockout, like, go in there, plant your feet, and fucking give him hell, and it's like, it's not really what the guy needs to hear when he's fighting on one leg, and, you know, kind of running out of options, um, interesting, Ling Ling, though, uh, for Jimmy, um, you know, again, and not, not just because of the corner, but I mean, like, let's look at his record real quick, you know, came into the UFC, was riding a giant wave, had a lot of buzz, had one, two, I clicked the wrong thing, let's see, one, two, three, four, had five straight wins, um, you know, having, uh, having wins over Pedro, Uriah Faber, Alacantara, Thomas Almeida, you know, and then got stopped by Marlon, which probably was a, you know, a title eliminator right there, um, and then since then, just kind of been up and down. But the thing is, is like, okay, he's got the loss to Marlon. He's got the loss to Aljamain Sterling, uh, Petr Jan, and now Pedro. So that's all the top guys. That's all of them. He literally, ha I mean, it's a testament to who he is by, you know, him fighting the best guys, but he doesn't have that signature win. Uh, you know, I, besides Pedro and, and Pedro was what in 2015. So that fight was six years ago. Uh, almost six years ago, and then the biggest win outside of that is Uriah Faber, which was in 2016. Um, so you know, I think he really needs, and what he is, yeah, he's 31, so he's still he's still got a little bit of time to kind of round this shit out. And he's in a super, I mean, besides lightweight, again, this is my favorite division, um, and it's super competitive. So he's definitely gonna need to figure some stuff out if he wants to remain competitive here. And I hope he does, cause I love Jimmy. I love watching that guy fight. Uh, but on the flip side, Pedro, 
kind of throws himself right back into the hat. Um, you know, he had those two back-to-back losses to Aljamain Sterling, who completely shut him down. And then he had the split decision loss to Frankie Edgar. Even though I, I I'm on the, I'm on the side of the fence that says Pedro won. So, um, and I, I don't really think a win over Frankie right now at 135, where Frankie's at, really like means that hey, you're the cream of the crop or anything like that. But you know, it, it, that's two good performances back to back, in my opinion. Even though he did get the split decision loss to Frankie. So he throws his name right back in there. You know, Pedro does have that knockout over Cody as well, has a win over Rob Font. So unlike Jimmy, he does kind of have some of the um, some of the bigger names under his belt to warrant, you know, being thrown back into the, the top half of that 135-pound division. Um, and so we'll kind of see how the rest of it plays out with, uh, you know, you got Dominic Cruz and Casey Kenny this weekend, and then you also obviously got the the main event or the, uh, the title fight between... Um, Petter and uh, Aljamain Sterling. So we'll kind of see how this division, um, you know, kind of unfolds a little bit. God damn, I'm so excited for that for that fight. God, better and Aljo, thank God. I'm going to do a big breakdown uh, later this week for that card just because I feel like that card deserves... I'm probably going to go off for like two, three hours on that. Um, so yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, just just phenomenal fight. Like if you guys haven't watched it yet, go back, find it on YouTube, go to ESPN+. Plus. Make a fake account. I don't give a shit what you got to do. Go find that fight. Go to actually go to uh, MMAcore.com. That that's a great spot to watch uh, um, fights after the fact. Um, but yeah, go watch that fight. Incredible fight. That's that that that's what this uh, you know the sport is is supposed to be. It's shit like that. Oh, one more thing before I move on from this because uh, it was brought up on the broadcast. You people think saying that um, calf kick should be illegal. Should freaking go outside, go borrow your grandfather's gun, go bother, go uh, borrow your uh, your dad's gun, and just off yourself, please. Like this is ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about a sport where you can get kicked in the head, flatlined, and get followed up with punches. And now we're talking about oh, you can't calf kick because it's 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 too easy of a shot and it's compromising all these fighters. Fuck you. You clearly don't know what this sport is made of. You clearly don't know the evolution. I mean, like, if that's the case, then, you know, we would have uh, we would have stopped those oblique kicks forever ago. Um, we would have stopped knee bars. Um, we would have made so many things illegal. And, and, and again, I'm a little bit biased because I'm, I'm the kind of guy who thinks knees on the ground should be, to the head, should be legal. I'm, I'm all for less rules. Um... I miss soccer kicks and I miss face stomps, but obviously we can't have that, and I'm not too upset about that. But knees on the ground, we should have. Um, but yeah, those calf kicks, like the game will evolve. You know, uh, time and time again, guys will figure out how to defend that and how to and how to um, make that less effective um, from a guy who's throwing them a lot. Look, I mean, Jimmy kind of got baited into a firefight early, so instead of being on his bike, I mean, go back and watch it. Jimmy lands early. And he lands hard early. So instead of being on his bike, I think he thought he could get Pedro out of there. So he kind of was a little more flat-footed, heavy on that foot. But really, that that that's what Pedro wanted because then he just slammed like three good kicks in a row right to that uh, right to Jimmy's lead calf. And then Jimmy wasn't the same in the rest of the fight. And then so after getting baited, he was like, oh, shit, now I'm compromised. So it was, again, great, great, great game plan uh, by Pedro. But I mean, all, all really, ha- Jimmy had to do um, 
is uh, close the distance. I mean, as long as you, and, and I know that's way easier said than done, but realistically, like if you would have game planned for that, I'm sure he would have had something for it. Um, to be able to close the distance a little bit better, but if you're, I mean, if you're constantly smothering Pedro, he's not going to have any room to throw those kicks. I mean, that, that's the thing with kickers; you got to either be all the way in or all the way out. You can't stay at kicking range. Um, go back and watch. Um, go back and watch uh, Vanderlei and Kung Lee. Yeah, Vanderlei gets clipped a little bit, but it was more by the punches and not so much by the kicks. Uh, that's kind of an old, old throwback, but. Um, I was kind of watching that fight. I was kind of like, what is Vanderlei doing? Like he's saying, staying so far outside. Like this is not like Vanderlei, but pretty much what he did is he stood so far out. Um, again, threw a couple good leg kicks, got Kung kind of tired. And then once Kung got tired, he just blitzed Kung Lee. So that's kind of, I, I think that's what you're going to, uh, start to see from guys is guy, uh, against guys who are really good with those calf kicks. They're either going to be all the way out or just all the way in with pressure. Um, and, uh, that, that, you know, that's some bullshit, uh, from Michael Bisbing and Paul Felder saying that you can't check those kicks. Uh, you'll, you'll figure out how to check those. Um, yeah, again, it's going to be a distance thing about how you check them. But saying is it's impossible, some bullshit, and clearly they haven't been in the gym in a minute. Uh, but let's move on from this fight card because there, besides that, there really wasn't much to talk about. Um, I have really haven't gotten to talk about this, but it kind of fits into the narrative of you know th- this past weekend's main event. But Derek Motherfucking Lewis coming in with the uppercut from hell, flatlining Curtis Blades. Uh, man, that that fight got me so stoked. I haven't felt like that about a fight in so long. Um, dude, not even when Dustin beat Connor because you know it was kind of like that fight was a little. Uh, um, people weren't really giving Dustin the credit just because of how big, uh, you know, Connor's name is. So when Dustin ended up clipping Connor and knocking him out, like I, you know, I, I was happy for him. I was super, I was super elated for him that he, had, you know, he pulled it off. But I wasn't surprised. Like I knew that was a, um, I knew that was a, uh, you know, a possibility. And it's not to say that Derek, that you know, the possibility of Derek um, knocking out Blades, or it's not to say that there wasn't a possibility of. Um, you know, Lewis knocking out Blades, but that I, I don't think people really understand how big of an upset that was. I mean, Curtis Blades was looking like the future. Um, you know, he's kind of looking like a like a like a GSP at heavyweight. And okay, I'm, I'm saying that at the very very lightest bit. Um, obviously, like he, his game is totally different, and GSP is obviously way superior at mixing everything together. But what I'm saying is, is there was kind of um, you know, Curtis is that young or young you know super athlete who has the wrestling background who's putting it together with the striking and Curtis was looking great that first round was putting everything together was making Lewis you know second guess himself and then just got super lazy on a takedown and just got blasted and I freaking I felt like I was in Derek's corner I was going nuts that was truly uh an amazing comeback an amazing fight, an amazing upset. Um, I mean, I've I watched that thing I don't know how many times. And, uh, dude, I, and why are people bitching about the follow-up shots? Like, I still don't understand why we're still having conversations about this this late in, in the game. Like, it's 2021, guys. Like, when the ref pulls them off, the ref pulls them off. Or when the ref separates them, that's when the fight is over. Until then, you have full range to do whatever the fuck you want to your opponent i mean again i'm gonna bring back vandalay go back and watch uh um 
Rampage and uh, uh, Rampage and Vanderlei three UFC ninety two back in two thousand eight. Literally, I think it's Herb Dean. Herb Dean is seriously his whole body is in between uh, Rampage and Vanderlei's corpse of a body, and Rampage is still getting in shots be- just because of the tension and the rivalry between them. Nobody was bitching about shit then. It's just crazy, you know. I think that's what's so crazy, like. The things these new fans and and um, maybe it's not new fans. Maybe it's just like media needing shit to talk about and ha- you know and have to talk about on these goddamn shows that they do. But it's like, what the fuck are we nitpicking shit like that for? Like both guys know exactly what the deal is when they get in there. They but because on the flip side, the same thing could have happened to Curtis. Curtis could have knocked out freaking Derek. Derek could have went out. Ref could have been out of position, and Curtis could have just let, like just kept going to town on Derek. They both knew what they signed up for. That is the name of the game. It's exactly what happens when both of you guys step in there. So we got to stop bitching about this little shit. We got to stop bitching about calf kicks, and we got to stop bitching about shots. You know, after the fact, you know, again, the only the only way that that's going to be bad is when the, the ref has already pulled them off and they're still going to town. Then we got then we can have a conversation. But until then, don't don't bring up this fucking bullshit. All right. Sick of hearing this freaking weak ass shit. Dude, we're literally like we're watching cage fighting. Yeah, it's a sport. Yeah, it comes from a history of martial arts. But again, at the end of the day, we are watching two fighters. This isn't basketball. This isn't hockey even, all right? Like, let these guys go. They both know what they signed up for. And yeah, no, and and, and I know it's talking about brain trauma and all this stuff, but again, it is the name of the game. I'm not saying it's right, but what I'm saying is is those guys under that that pressure, that spotlight, all of that, like they're in go mode. They're they're in not in they're not in the mindset that you are at home watching from TV. They're in a totally different, they are in survival mindset, okay? They're not in this, like, sporty, let's have a competition. Go No, you have to get yourself in a completely different mindset. And again, this podcast is called The Call to Violence. And that's exactly what those guys have to answer every time they go into that cage. Um, so that's the bottom line with that. I don't want to hear any other shit. Um, what else? What else happened? Let's, um... You know, let's just do it. Let's just go. Let, let, okay, so we got we got surreal game beating Rosenstrike. We got Derek Lewis having this crazy, crazy, crazy upset over uh, Curtis Blades, which propels him right into the back into the the title conversation, throws him right back into the mix of everything. And I think UFC was honestly just throwing Derek in there. Um, against Curtis, so Curtis would have another big name under his belt to kind of show, like, hey, he's beating everybody, let's throw him in there for a title. And Derek said, fuck you. He said, I don't even care about a title shot. Give me Alistar over him. Like, I don't want I don't want no five-round fight. Which goes to show you, you know, Lewis is really a, a, a throwback. He's really a throwback to, to the old-school kind of fighters, kind of like, uh, like how Max is kind of a, a throwback. Max Holloway, it's kind of a throwback. They're just like, dude, just give me fights. I want good fights. I want fun fights. I don't want no, no bullshit. Um, that's why you got to love those guys, and that's why fans tune in every time to watch them fight. It's because of that attitude and because of their fighting style. Um, but let's see where they uh, let's see where they fit into th- everything. Let me. I just want to take a quick look at this real quick. God damn it! You know, uh, uh, real quick though, as we look at this. Um, 
as we look at the top 10 in the UFC at heavyweight, let's look at this real quick. Um, never have I seen this weight division just uh, dominated right now by uh, by strikers. I mean, all the way down. Like th- This is a, a naturally heavyweight-dominated weight class, and right now we got Stipe as the champ. Um, he has a, a wrestling background, but, you know, mostly uses his stand-up. Um, I can't even remember the last time he shot him for a takedown. Um, I think it was Alistair Overeem where he ended up getting the, he ended up getting the, the fi- oh, no, no, I think, but that was after, uh, Overeem pulled guard on the guillotine. I don't know. But anyways, um, so you got Stipe. I know he's got the wrestling background, so I'll even give it, I'll even give him on, on the wrestling side. But you got Francis, you got Derek. You got, okay, you got Curtis Blades, who's another wrestler, but then you got Rosenstrike, you got Volkov, you got Overeem, you got Cyril Gain, uh, you got, and yeah, okay, so that's eight or seven of the top fucking, um, of the top ten, um, all being primarily strikers. And then you got uh, Blagoy, you got Dos Santos, you got uh, Marcin Tabura, yeah, you got all these guys just sitting on the outside too. Um, Arvlowski should be somewhere in there as well. Um, so you got a bunch of, you got a bunch of strikers, which is just kind of crazy. Just goes to show you the, the evolution of the game. Um, I honestly thought heavyweight, I used to think heavyweight would always be dominated, uh, by wrestlers just cause I mean like, let, 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 let's look real quick. Um, Mark Coleman, uh, Dan, I don't know if Dan Severn ever won the belt here. Let's just look at the UFC history, UFC, UFC heavyweight history. First one, Mark Coleman beat Dan Severin. You had Murray Smith, who was a kickboxer, but then you had Randy Couture. Randy Couture had to had a contract dispute. So then Boss Roten defeated Kevin Randleman, who's a wrestler, but that fight is super, super um, heavily debated because pretty much Kevin Randleman was on top of Boss Roten the whole fight, and for whatever reason, they still gave it to Boss just because he was throwing punches from the bottom. So that's up in the air. But then you ended up having Kevin Randleman win the belt. So what's that, four already? One, two, three. Okay, and then Couture won it back. You got this, uh, okay, Josh Barnett's a grappler. Rico Rodriguez is a grappler. And then you got Tim Sylvia. And then you had the whole Tim Sylvia, Andre Avlowski, kind of back and forth. Neither of them are wrestlers. But then Randy Couture wins it back. And then this is, this is what I'm getting at right here, guys. Brock Lesnar comes in, I think, with two MMA fights. Three MMA fights because he had the one outside the UFC. He lost to Frank. He beat Heath Herring, and then he fought Randy. So in his fourth MMA fight with just a with just a wrestling background, beats Randy, and then goes on to beat Frank Mir, uh, and then defends against Shane Carwin, who again wrestling background just with big power, and then you know ultimately loses it to Cain Velasquez. And Cain Velasquez what won the belt after he's nine and zero. So he had nine fights. On his ninth fight, you know, beats um, beats Brock Lesnar. So, dude, uh, pretty much what I'm getting at here is, is high-level wrestlers can really bridge the gap um, and really eclipse guys who are seasoned vets in MMA. Um, and I'm not saying any wrestler can do that. I'm saying, like, creme de la creme wrestlers 
just have always, and you can look at any weight class. Look at Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman was what, like 10 and 0 or something like that when he knocked out Anderson. Yeah, and there's a lot of other shit that goes into that fight. But um, I mean, even look it up his upbringing. Like, I think he fought Maya on a seventh fight and took that fight on two weeks' notice, had a crazy, crazy, really, really bad, severe weight cut and still gutted that shit out. Like, these guys who have insane wrestling backgrounds at a very, very high. Daniel Cormier, another one. Um, these guys who have real high-level wrestling are just able to bridge the gap so much quicker um, than any other athlete from any other uh, combat sport, whether it's boxing, kickboxing, grab, jiu-jitsu, anything. They can bridge the gap and fight at a high level way quicker than anybody else can. Um, so it's just it's just insane that um, we haven't gotten like a, a bigger influx of, of heavyweight wrestlers because all these strikers are kind of kicking their ass right now. I mean, the the lone wolf right now is Curtis Blaze. He just got flatlined by Lewis. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. Um, so right now, the updated rankings are we got uh, Francis Ngannou sitting at one. He's going to take on Stipe later this month. You got Derek Lewis all the way back up at number two now. That is fucking insane. That is, I mean, I, I that is because this guy retired twice. He's had back problems. And you would have thought after his, uh, you would have thought after losing to Cormier, he would have been like, cool, you know, I got this crazy opportunity um, to fight for the belt. I fought the best of the best. I came up a little bit short. I tried everything though, but, you know, I'll cash in. I'll take a couple great fight or a couple good fights and, you know, I'll just kind of linger out here until, you know, the well drives up. He said, fuck that. He got motivated. He got in shape. He's fixing his game. His back seems a lot better. He lost all that weight, and his game is just much more refined now. Like his take, like trying to take that guy down is not fun. And it took a guy like, um, you know, everyone just because Daniel Cormier did it so easy, um, you know, doesn't mean that the rest of these guys are going to be able to take Lewis down uh, as easy. And that was very evident in that Curtis Blades fight. Um, then you got Curtis Blades sitting at number three now. You got Rosenstrike sitting at four, which is, to me, just fucking crazy. You should be way lower on this fucking list. Um, oh, well, I guess this isn't updated because Cyril Gain is still sitting at seven. So we're probably going to see Rosenstrike drop down to five or six. You'll see Cyril Gain at top five. Next, you got Volkov, then Overeem. Um, so just mixing in... Um, in that top five. Oh, do you know what? Real quick, though. Real quick, before I before I finish this, uh, Tom, what is his name? Was it Aspinall? Let's see. That dude was on fire. Just fought Arvlosky. Yeah, Aspinall. This dude, watch out for that guy. Uh, that guy's got super quick hands. He's big, but kind of lean for the division. Super, super fast, and he kind of seems to have it all, both in the stand-up and on the floor. I mean, his reactive punching was just insane. I mean, Andre would throw a, a counter left, and Aspinall would just hit him with a three-piece. Just real fucking quick. I've never seen anything like that um, at heavyweight. So watch out for that kid. That kid's going to be making splashes here pretty soon. And it just goes to show you the depth at heavyweight. And heavyweight was dead, I want to say, for about the last like two, three years. It's just been a fucking wasteland of just old names and fucking young fat guys who could never make it to the top. And now we're starting to see some real fucking talent at heavyweight. So heavyweight's going to get real exciting here. Um, I love Stipe, but I think once he gives up that belt, whether he retires or whether he loses, like that division's going to start getting real fresh, 
real, real, real fresh. So I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, the top, you know, this, um, the upper end of the, the top 10 here is great. And I really don't know what to do at this point because I, I, I you know, if you would have asked me before the Cyril Gain fight, what's going to happen? I would have said, oh, well, the winner of uh, Cyril Gain and uh, Rosenstrike is going to fight Derek Lewis. But I'm starting to think Derek Lewis is going to fight John Jones, guys. I don't know if they're going to throw Jones in there right away with Francis and Stipe, him being on the shelf. And I guess that's, let's just get right into that too. Um, and I guess a lot of people noticed this too because it was the first thing I said. And I don't know if this is just like uh, if it's a ruse just to get people thinking John's looking like shit. But, dude, his training footage does not look good. I mean, he looks slow. He looks kind of off balance. And I, I, that's probably on purpose. Like, it wouldn't put it put it past me um, that it's on purpose. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. Still interested, but you... Uh, I'm starting to think Lewis is going to get a big, big, big fight here. You know, you, you and um, stylistically, I mean, you could throw him in there with anybody. Like, you could give him the Overeem fight if you really wanted to, if you want to risk, you know, losing all that momentum right now. Um, just because Overeem is, like, super crafty still. And, yeah, even though his chin really isn't holding up, um, you know, Volkov kind of kind of got him pretty good. And I don't know how long he's going to be on the shelf for, but I know him and Derek keep going back and forth. But I think I think UFC is going to hold Derek out for something really big. I don't think they will do a Volkov-Lewis rematch just because, again, I think they really want to capitalize on uh, on Derek Lewis's momentum here. So I think what you're going to see is Volkov and Gain um, next. And then Lewis and Jones are going to be in this weird bubble depending on what happens with Stipe and Francis. So I think those guys, those those guys um, are going to be on ice for a minute until this uh until that heavyweight showdown. But let's move on from heavyweight. What else what, what else is going on? What else is going on? Uh all right, let's just wrap this up here real quick. I got a few other things I want to talk about. Um, to Canelo Alvarez fought over the weekend. Um, I'm not even gonna begin to try to pronounce homeboy's name, who didn't really, didn't really, uh, shouldn't have really been in there. But hey, got a good paycheck. Got what three rounds of an ass? We ugh, three rounds of an ass kicking. Um, and you know, I think this was just for Canelo to kind of stay in shape, stay busy, get a payday. Get fans, you know, still interested in shit. Um, you know, it, it is what it is, and I'm just glad that he's coming back super quick to fight, uh, to fight Billy Joe here in May. So I, honestly, I mean, I know people are gonna shit on it, but I, I think it is what it is. You know, the dude, and, and see, this is what I like from Canelo. And then listen, Canelo is pound for pound. I don't care who who you got on your list, but Canelo's the man, dude. The dude has power. The dude has speed. The dude has a chin. The dude like uh, I can't think of anything bad Canelo does as a boxer. Like, what does he do that's bad? Come on, I'm waiting for it. Tell me, tell me something that he does bad. I mean, that is the most complete boxer of our era, of this era. There's nobody better, and he's a professional. You can bring up the steroid stuff. I don't want to hear that bullshit. This is boxing. All those motherfuckers are on something. All right, this is combat sports. This is just sports in general. Everyone's on shit. I hate people, this archaic fucking bullshit about fucking PEDs. I'm not going off on that tangent right now, though. Um, 
But dude, Billy Joe, that's gonna be a great fight. And I love this. I love this mindset of I want to get all the belts. I want it to be undeniable that I'm the best super middleweight on the planet. And I love when boxers do that because it's so rare. It's so rare. We just pick and choose which belt we're gonna go after. And once there's actually like a a decent uh, title challenger that doesn't have a big name that poses some problems, they're like, oh, I'm gonna get rid of this belt. I'll go after another one, which is just like, what's the fucking point of all this bullshit? Gotta love Canelo, though. Um, some interesting stuff that came out just a little bit ago, though. Um, Kosmat uh, Shemaev posted uh, a picture to his Instagram saying, I want to thank all of you so much for supporting me in my journey in the sport. I think I'm done. Yes, I know I didn't take the belt, but it's not the most important victory in this life. It may upset you, but my heart and body tells me everything. I want to say a big thank you to my team, um, all-star Jim Sweden, and I want to say a big thank you to the UFC, Alhamdulillah. And dude, uh, I know Kevin Holland came out and said some fucking ignorant ass shit about COVID, about how it's all about heart and all this fucking nonsense. But yeah, I got my own beliefs about COVID and and how uh, how it's been treated and all the, and all of this. But at the at the end of the day, people are getting sick, people are dying. And there are some some cases, um, or I guess, I guess a lot of cases where people are, are suffering from like lingering, uh, severe lingering fucking problems from COVID. Whether it's their lungs, whether it's their vertigo, like in uh, Cody Garbrandt's fucking case. Um, for some guys, man, like the, like this is a whole new thing, um, and we're still, you know, we're gonna be having lingering effects of this fucking. Uh, of this uh, of this virus for a long time, and we're gonna start learning some new shit about it all the time, uh, or not start learning new shit. We're always gonna be learning new shit about it, um, just with studies and bullshit like that. But like to say like, uh, it's so hard to walk this fucking line with what's real and what's not with it, just because of all the bullshit that comes around this fucking pandemic. But people are suffering from severe, like dude, this is a pro athlete, and he's been dealing with like he got sick. And yeah, everyone responds to this thing differently. And unfortunately for him, he's getting the worst of it. Um, I think he was posting pictures of him spitting up blood and shit because his lungs are all fucked up from it. So it's, um, you know, if it's serious for him, like, you know, if he's considering retirement and if he's posting that to his Instagram, I mean, that's shit he's got to run by his management and shit. Um, So if, if this is for real, like that's that's so devastating. That's so devastating, and I don't want to hear any of this bullshit from any of these motherfuckers saying, like, oh, the flu took him out. No, this clearly is not the flu, guys. Again, I got my own beliefs. I got my own I got my own shit about it, and there's a lot of shit that I don't agree with with COVID, but it's uh, definitely not It's definitely not coming down to who's got a bigger heart. Um, but this is terrible because, I mean, th- th- this guy is riding the, the biggest high of any up-and-comer I've ever seen in the UFC, and I've seen them all come up. I've literally seen them all come up, um, and this guy was riding a fucking wave I've never seen before. I mean, yeah, it was the competition not you know at the best, but yeah, but I've never seen anybody take on fights like that uh, so close together and, and look like that. And so I guess uh, you know if he really is done, we'll just never fucking know. Um, but hopefully it's not. I mean, hopefully he recovers, and hopefully, um, hopefully we figure this shit out because I would really. Uh, I'd really hate for him to have to walk away because of this. Um, 
and and not for our sake, but for his sake. I mean, clearly this is a guy who came from a really, really tough part of the world and really probably had to sacrifice a lot and work hard and grind and just put himself through the fucking ringer just to get fucking eyes on him. You know what I mean? Like, dude, these guys don't, they're not, they don't come from a lot. And so, um, them getting the, the shine and the spotlight from the sport, it, it's really, it, it's, it's everything to them. Um, so for, uh, for lingering effects like this to, to force him out would just be devastating and terrible. And I really feel, feel for him, his family and his team. Um, but I think other than that, guys, I think that's all I got for this week. Uh, or actually for today, because I'm coming with the fucking fire. I'm coming with the fire later. Uh, this week to break down UFC uh, 259 because fuck man we haven't had a card like that in so long and I'm so excited I mean I'm so excited from the top down you got Adesanya and Jan Adesanya trying to be the double champ here you got the you got the current freaking face of double champs with uh, Amanda Nunes looking to defend uh, her 145 pound belt and that bitch is just going up and down she's saying I'll, I'll take give me all the belts Give me all the belts in these women's division. I'm the best female alive. You got to love that. She's fighting Megan Anderson, which is a all right matchup. She should dominate, um, but still should be a great fight. You always got to you always got to pay attention uh, to greatness like that. So you always got to watch those fights. And then you got the one I'm most excited for. You got Petter Jan, Aljamain Sterling at the second best fucking division right now uh, for the 135 pound strap. Um, and that whole card from top to bottom. Again, I said you got Dominic Cruz taking on Casey Kenny. That should be a great fight. You got Tiago Santos rebounding real quick after you know his kind of uh, his kind of bad loss to Tiago Santos um, against Alexander um, uh, Rachik or whatever the fuck his name is, uh, Radic or whatever, who's coming off that great win over um, Anthony Smith. Feel like I'm missing a fight. Let me see. Let me see. I keep going to the wrong website. Let's see. 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 Oh, that's right. You got Islam Makachev taking on Drew Dober. God, that's a good fight. I mean, Drew Dober's got his work cut out for him, but this is a great test for Islam, who's supposed to be the second coming of Khabib at 155. Let's let's take a look here, dude. Even the even the early early uh, prelims. You got Tim Elliott, uh, Jordan Espinosa. That should be great. J- Jake Matthews is on there. That kid's still riding the prelims, even though he's got great fights. And you got Joey B taking on Askar Askarov, Song Yudong taking on Kyler Phillips. God, what a fucking card! I cannot wait to break this down. But better yet, I cannot wait to watch this. So until later this week, guys. It's been fun. Tune in later this week.